Welcome to the St. Emlyn Smack podcast. I'm Ian Beardsall. And I'm Simon Carley. I'm Rick Boddy. And I'm Natalie May. And we've come to the end of day one here in Chicago at the Smack conference. We found a small corner. I have to admit the air conditioning is slightly loud, so apologies if you can hear a hum. But it was either a hum or 1,996 people enjoying beers and listening to a band. We thought we'd just take you through a few things that happened today, try and give you an essence of the atmosphere here in Chicago. It's been a really great day. Started with an incredible opening ceremony. There were drums, there were dancers, there was a cannon that almost fired confetti over people. But let's get on to the talk. So let's think about the opening session. Everybody in a huge auditorium, four amazing speakers. Rick, tell us what Cliff Reed had to say. I really love the way that Cliff talks. He put so much emotion into his talks. And Cliff talked about what advice he would have given to himself as a young doctor, if he possibly could. He talked about the mistakes he'd made with full honesty, but he also talked about the times when he was right and others were wrong, and maybe he lacked the confidence to express that. And I thought that was a fantastic thing, because we're, we're continuously balancing our confidence and our competence, as Cliff Light rightly pointed out. And a lot of his advice was about how we might handle that and realise that sometimes it really is important to stick to your convictions uh, and realise that you are actually quite competent. So we went from Cliff straight into another legend, really, and uh, that was John Hines, who talked about thoracotomy. Nat? Yeah, he did. He gave a talk about thoracotomy in total John Hines style, so lots of humour, but also lots of talk about the cognitive decision-making. Um, and you might have heard it said that the hardest thing about doing a thoracotomy is a decision to do it, and John said, actually, that's not that hard. If you don't know that you should be doing it, then you don't know the procedure and you don't know the indication. So it was a real challenge to rethink thoracotomy. Made a great case for a clamshell over left lateral approach, telling us that if it's, it's not a proper resuscitative procedure unless you can fit your head in it. And uh, that's a kind of good take-home message, I think. But yeah, lots of really challenging ways to think about that there. And hugely entertaining. John's got a great way of speaking, some really great jokes, a couple of hashtags that we probably shouldn't repeat on a podcast, but have a look through the feed from this morning and you'll discover the most unique hashtag of the, of the week, I would suggest. Simon... Then we had the legend that is Scott Weingart talking about something, a concept I'd not really come across before. Yeah, Scott um, talked about OODA loops, which is observe, orient, decide and act. And he used ATLS as a vehicle to get into this and really talking about cookbook medicine, about guidelines, rigidly applying medicine as a guideline and not in using your intelligence, your thought, your ability to reflect in an instant, to make new plans, to challenge what the patient's trying to do to you, what the specialties are trying to do to you, to do the absolute best you can for the patient. And... I thought it was really good, actually. It was really challenging to make us stop and think about how we routinely manage stuff. We should never routinely manage stuff. Medicine in the resuscitation room is not a routine act. It's about being intellectually agile. And I really like this OODA idea that he put forward. Also worth mentioning, from a presentation point of view, he got absolutely screwed with the slides today. The AV really let him down. It's not his fault. It really went badly wrong, but he recovered incredibly well. Top lesson there, if you're a great presenter with a great message, you don't need the slides. Scott, well done. And not only that, you could see him doing exactly what he might do in a stressful situation in recess, because it was that stressful. 2,000 people watching him as his clicker didn't work, and he controlled himself brilliantly. And like you say, he, he could have done it without slides if he'd had to, and he just managed something that I think many other people would have crumbled under the pressure. So good on you, Scott. 
the final thing in that session was Liz Crow. Now, Liz is unique, really, uh, in so many different ways. She's actually a social worker, spoke hugely successfully last year at Smack Gold, and this year was invited to do one of the big sessions, a plenary session. And she actually spent her time talking about religion and how as doctors and nurses and others were scared to talk to patients about their faith, especially at times of crisis. So in the intensive care unit, when patients are really searching for some sort of comfort and some sort of hope, they'll often turn to their faith. Um, But yet as doctors and nurses and others, we can get really frightened by that. In fact, we'd rather talk about anything but their faith. And she encouraged us to think about that. And I have to say, very thought-provoking. And I can recognise times myself when I've tried to move conversations on and get away from that sort of stuff because it's felt too difficult. It was really interesting to see how the message, which was about religion, was about faith, was applicable regardless of whether you had any personal faith or what particular religion you were in. It was a really good message which was applicable to anybody, no matter what your background. And can't underestimate the bravery of that, I don't think. Again, in front of 2,000 people to stand up at this emergency medicine critical care conference as a social worker and deliver that talk, not just brave, but a useful, thoughtful message and I think will have affected people really deeply. So that was the first session, the plenary session in the main hall, which is a proper amphitheatre. We then went off into the concurrence and there's five different concurrence and we all sort of scattered to the winds a little bit. Any other highlights that you had from the day? Rick, how about you? Well, I went to the session on how science works, which was really fascinating for me as an academic who's got an interest in research. And I think my favourite was actually a talk by Paul Young, who talked about new ways to find the truth and new ways to approach clinical research. He talked about how critical research, critical care research has only yielded seven things that have changed practice and found eight things that increase your mortality. So actually the yield from clinical trials and critical care is very, very low, and maybe we need a new approach to finding the evidence. So we talked about these adaptive trials, platform designs, Bayesian approaches to interpreting the data that would really revolutionise our thinking, and that we wouldn't just accept a p-value of less than 0.05 to represent statistical significance. They're much more sophisticated techniques that might help us to get evidence into practice a lot more quickly, and maybe join up the approaches of research and quality improvement. Simon, you had a talk to give today, uh, really well received. I have to say the Twitter sphere went nuts about it. Did you get the chance to listen to anything yourself? Um, I did. I went into the Nothing But Blood session initially and I had another great talk from Scott Weingart, which we'll hear more about later. And also a really interesting approach to giving a talk by Corinne Brohe, our friend from London. And we know that tranexamic acid is something we've talked a lot about on the podcast here and how it should be given to people who we think are bleeding, not everybody, but people who we think were bleeding after trauma. And he took a really interesting approach to the lecture by giving a lecture on why you shouldn't give it in order to get the message across that you should. And it was kind of this kind of reverse psychology, almost sarcastic, but I thought he pulled it off brilliantly. It was a really good way of doing it, really challenging anybody out there who doesn't believe that tranexamic acid has any role in trauma. Really cracking stuff. Well done, Karen. Nat? 
This morning I went to the Between You and Me concurrent. There was a great talk by Chris Hicks about teamwork. He talked about stress responses and how they affect us clinically and how we assume that as we get more senior, we're going to learn just automatically how to deal with those, but actually we don't, and that's something we need to train and prepare for. Uh, Larry Chu in that session talked about education, talked about a piece of research that he'd done looking into where our trainees go when they want information. And shock horror, it's not to us, their consultants and their seniors, it's to the internet. He, he set out a great challenge to the phone world what will your trainees find if they go looking for those, the answers to those questions? And if you don't like what it is that they're going to find out there, what are you going to do about it? Uh, then there was Walter Epic talking about leadership and how important it is to have that flattened hierarchy for uh, empowering our juniors and our nursing staff to speak up when they've got ideas and when they recognise errors to improve patient safety and change our organisational culture. And then finally there was Amama too talking about lessons from the Princess Bride, which won't make any sense if you haven't seen the film. But I, I really liked his concept of being the Inigo Montoya, so the idea that you train and train so that when you meet your six-fingered man, that unusual thing that's not going to happen very often but that is a real threat to you and a real challenge to you in your clinical practice, you are ready to deal with that. So some great human factor stuff in that session I was in that talk as well Amal Martu showed why he's a world renowned speaker hugely engaging funny but with a really important message and enjoyed that hugely so we got through the afternoon some of the concurrence Rick did a talk really well received it was about Rick it was about troponin. There you go, Rick. It's That's all we are. need to say about that. So Rick did a talk about troponin. Uh, I did a little bit about something that I'd experienced, and then there's another podcast we've released about that, uh, if you want to go and find that. And then we had a final session with a panel talking about sepsis back in the big hall. So Scott Weingart chairing a panel with six of the world leaders in sepsis, and they gave a really interesting hour and a half deconstructing pretty much all of my beliefs about sepsis. I must admit, I probably came out more confused, but I have got a lot to think about. Simon, where did you get to the end of to that session? I think you could easily have come out of that session thinking that, oh my gosh, I have no idea what to do with sepsis anymore because they uh, tried to debunk uh, giving fluids, there was concerns about giving catecholamines, there was concerns about giving different types of fluids, there was concerns about giving different medications, even antibiotics were challenged as a treatment for sepsis. We talked about the FEAST trial coming out of Africa and what that meant for the delivery of sepsis care in the, the, in the more developed world. Really, really fascinating stuff. I think the message wasn't that everything that we're doing now is wrong. I don't think that was right if you took that away. The message to me was you have to be intelligent about this. Every intervention you give, be it antibiotics or fluids, fluids being a drug, you have to have a bloody good reason to do it. Mindless treatment of patients with a badge of sepsis without thinking about why that patient is poorly and in what way they are going to get better if you intervene is wrong. All your interventions, absolutely everything, must be targeted for a reason and you must be able to look to see what the response is and reappraise it and reappraise it and reappraise it. And when they were talking about responses, it was very much the response of the patient themselves, not the numbers. And probably the two messages I would take out of the whole day at SMAC, one was a clinical one and one was more of a feelings one, if you like. The first was that examine the patient. Be a good clinician. Use your clinical skills. Don't just rely on numbers. Don't blindly follow guidelines. Look at the patient in front of you. And I think the second one, which came out of some of the other talks in the concurrence and perhaps out of our talk, Simon, was that we need to be kind. So really, great messages from a, a day where be the best clinician you can be, and whilst you're doing that, be kind. 
I think that's a fair summary for the day. And a great take-home message. So there's a band playing downstairs. There is a bar, which is actually giving out beer for free. So just to understand that this FOMED thing means that we're not having the free beer. But we're getting down there now. We hope you're enjoying the tweets and the podcasts. Please get in touch with us if you'd like us to ask any speakers anything. Another exciting day tomorrow. We're all busy again doing different things, but hopefully we'll have time to go out and meet some more people from around the world. It is perhaps the friendliest conference anybody could ever wish to go for or go to. And it's just great to be speaking to you again. 